All right. Hi, everyone. It's Obi Abuchi here with the Leading From Your Core podcast and vodcast. This show is dedicated to helping leaders all around the world discover leadership wisdom, stories, and insights that will enable you to tap into the power of leading from the inside out. And I'm delighted to welcome on the show Penny Power OBE. Uh, great to have you here, Penny. Penny Aww. is an entrepreneur, a public speaker, author, community builder, mother of three adult children, and has been married to Thomas Powell for 32 years. Uh, my wife and I, 20 years, we're trying to catch up, but we just can't. <laughs> uh, Penny believes in community-led growth, and, and her belief in business has always been highly personal, hence her latest book, being Business is Personal, which is helping thousands of business owners to find their success and happiness in business. Uh, she was awarded the OBE by the Queen in 2014 for her contribution to entrepreneurs in the digital economy. And that's actually how I came across Thomas and Penny years ago with their incredible work on Academy and bringing community to business owners well before LinkedIn and Facebook. And in 2020, Penny and Thomas launched an exclusive business community for experts known as Business is Personal, uh, BIP100. And uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Penny famously said to Thomas on their first date, I don't expect anyone to make me happy. That has to come from within me. And she, and she was only 24. Um, and that's incredibly powerful because we're going to be talking about self-empowerment today. Uh, but Penny, uh, really delighted to have you on the show and looking forward to our conversation. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's not surprising Thomas asked me to marry him three months later. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Anybody needs a line, you know, to, to grab that man or woman, just say that, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't need to make me happy. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, great. That's it. <laughs> I'm sorted. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, amazing. Well, what what? Tell us more, Penny, what was behind that for you? Because to have that awareness or that perspective at 24 feels quite unique. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your story and, and why that was on your mind at that age. Well, I suppose, actually, I think a lot of self-empowerment comes from life experiences and whether you become a victim of them or become empowered by them. I suppose that's what underwrites it. And, um, you know, I came from a great family, very dutiful family, um, to great parents um, from the silent generation. You know, they, they gave birth to four baby boomers. Very different form of parenting, I think, in those days. But I was born into the world to be quite emotionally driven. And there was never really a great match between my the way I needed to be loved and the way the love was given and that is not criticizing my parents oh. uh, I think a lot of people can identify with that um, and so I think I was became quite self-empowered quite early on but um, there was also I also think this is generational but I remember a very big moment when I was in my mid to late teens when my mum said to me uh, I think I was going to theatre with a boyfriend or something and my mum said oh your father never takes me to theatre I never go 
And I remember thinking, well, go, you know, don't don't delegate mm. your joy to somebody else to make your joy. And I think that was probably a, a real a gift from my mother, really, of uh, maybe a generational shift in, you know, we have to make our own happiness. Uh, we can't delegate it to anyone. So I think that was a, a bit of the two things coming together, you know, naturally self-empowered as a young girl. Yeah. You know, I wasn't given huge praise or love to make me feel that I was significant. And sure. uh, combined with the observa observation of a, a different generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. What strikes me is that we all have challenges and difficulties and yes there are some people that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth as, as they say but you could have so easily gone through those experiences and held on to a victim mentality and I know you say you know naturally self-empowered but what do you think stopped you from saying woe is me versus actually I'm going to pick myself up here and create opportunities that others may not be giving me. I think it's in us all. I think we are natural survivors in life. And, you know, to me, surviving isn't a physical thing. It, it very much is an emotional and mental mm. decision that we make. Um, and I think, I think my path through childhood you know, people had it a lot worse. I'm not wanting to say it was really bad, mm -hmm. but the, the family dynamics wasn't what I needed. The school that I went to wasn't the joy, but there was a joy inside me that I that was never going to leave me. And I am naturally a happy person. And I don't know whether that's DNA or what, what creates that, but I choose to be happy no matter what adversity is happening on the outside, I choose in the inside mm. to be a happy person. And, and I, I don't want to make that sound simple, but I do oh. think that certain things are a choice in our lives. And, and I think if you can even just register happy moments, you know, no matter when life is crap, the first cup of tea could be a happy moment. And it was actually... Mm. A, brilliant lady Caroline Rice that taught me this she said this she sort of verbalized it back to me when she was interviewing me about my book when she was writing for Daily Express and she said to me you know life is made up of happy moments and that's what it sounds like I've done I've always captured moments to make me happy wow. um you know whether it's you know whatever it is I always make sure I register it this is a really happy moment it could be anything small and sure. my day can be made up of 40 little happy moments, but everything else is crap. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's a choice I make. And I think I was always a very happy little girl. And I think that was quite a challenge for my mum, actually. I remember she used to say, you fill a room. And it was like I had a different energy. I was running at a different frequency. Sure. Child. Um, yeah. So I think that's where it comes from. I mean, I, you know, I have... There has been a lot of adversity in my life, um, sadnesses and financial adversities and things like that. And I, you know, I think you can overcome them. And I actually think that adversity can make you and mm. can help you to navigate to the right path um, if you use whatever lesson it is that you're going through. Yeah, yeah. For, thank you. Um, and we will dive deeper into that because uh, adversity is 
something that none of us can get away from. And I talk a lot about resilience and the importance of us as leaders being able to tap into that innate resilience. And so yeah. how do we do that? So it'd be great to uh, go there. But I, I just wanted to just touch on what you said about celebrating those moments. I, I love that. It, it seems mm. it takes a real mindfulness, just an awareness of... Mm the roses that are around you <laughs> that can just yeah, that stop and smell them be what can I be grateful for yeah. uh, in this moment there is always always something or always something that I suppose you're right actually I've never thought of it as like mindfulness but it is about presence mm, it is about mm. it is you know if Thomas and I go out for dinner and you it's maybe a routine place that we go you can still capture isn't isn't this a lovely moment or whatever you can yeah, it is presence. I think you're absolutely right about that, Obi. I like the way you've said that. It is. It is about presence. Yeah, mm. that's that's what wonderful. Um, and and yeah, that has become a really important topic in the business world amongst leaders. Mindfulness, uh, being in this moment, recognizing our breath, recognizing life, recognizing that I'm unconditionally supported by this chair right now. It's yeah. just so many things that can take us away from our head because often with those challenges and adversity we catastrophize don't we and we see the future and we see it's all going pear-shaped and and yet the to ground ourselves in the moment and just say well right now what can I what can I see what can I notice what can I celebrate what can I be grateful for yeah and I I love I, yeah I love the way you you're saying it's so much better than I did actually Obi damn you but um, <laughs> <laughs> hey you just inspired it right <laughs> I think the subject of mindfulness can make a lot of people run for the hills because they think oh my god and I know I try to do the classic um my mind empty my mind and you know it's you know it's the thoughts that come in that are really quite damaging to me at those moments are very different to the happy moments that I can find by just being present so I think this whole subject of calming the mind you have to find your way of doing it and I suppose for me it's lots of different moments throughout the day it's not a 10 minute mindfulness moment you know yeah would have me swinging from a tree over over a period of time (laughs) well what I love about the way you're describing it is that for you it's become a way of being it's your essence is to find those moments on a regular basis which is incredibly powerful so let's go then to the adversity because you talked about that and I was at a dinner with you and Thomas recently and you shared about some of the academy days and and some of the subsequent adversity since then and how you navigated that and a real journey of what seems to have been a a real theme in your life of self-discovery of Mm -hmm. self-improvement and self-growth so share a little bit about the adversity and and then your your journey yeah so self-improvement helped you with that I'm not. Go- I'm going to try, as they say on Love Island, not to <laughs> feel a bit ick here, because um, uh, I don't want to do that. But actually, uh, you know, one of the talks that I give is about, you know, how do you introduce love into business to help with resilience and 
and all the things you've just described. Because if you actually consider, so I'm coming about this around this uh, 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 way, because before I talk about what the adversity is, I have to talk about what my constitution is, sure. I think. And I'm, I'm fortunate or unfortunate, depending on whose filter you look at, to be born as someone who, if you looked at the psychometric tests, someone where love and harmony and support and care and kindness is one of my, is, is my constitution. It's what drives me. Okay. Um, so if people know disc, I'm a, a green, if people know Ima, I'm a blue, you know, so, and um, that means that I am naturally flooded with oxytocin. Okay. Which is probably my primary, the, the primary thing that my limbic system releases and needs is love and therefore i've loved my way through the shit that's all that's and that's i don't want to make people feel ick about it but i have and so some people can drive their way angrily and frustratingly and aggressively through the shit and other people i hope i'm allowed to say shit on your lovely vodcast <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of beeps going on perhaps um, um you know, it's and in human. a way, in a way, we have to be aware. And I think this is where self-awareness, you know, you can have some self-awareness, but this is where all sorts of things, coaching and stuff, leadership stuff that you do with people helps people to become more aware of how their constitution is working for them, how it's working against them. Mm-hmm. And so in some cases, that constitution, that that flooding myself with oxytocin all the time creates quite a harsh world at times for me for me to step into um, and will um, have created some challenges for me. But for me personally, I have kept very true. I've got this an, another sort of phrase that everybody's saying now, very true to myself um, <laughs> in that that is who I am. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times people have tried to stamp it out of me, my mum, Penny, you're too sensitive, my first boss, I think you might be too emotional for business that is who I am and I think that's the first lesson in life is that it's really hard to change your natural personality and constitution yeah yeah and I'm going to give you a really extreme uh, extreme example of this uh, and I hope it doesn't shock people but um six years ago Hannah our daughter when she was 24 um was abducted in a car by three men and raped by one of them right and she was in France at the time. We got a call from and at the hospital. Um, she'd been taken in by ambulance and um, police. So I, you know, at 5.30 in the morning call, uh, you know, I, I'd woken up for a wee and looked at my phone. thought, that's a strange number. thought it, and then it rang again. I thought I'd better answer it. And, and that, it was from the hospital. So, you know, dashed to Heathrow Airport, get across to her. She handles it. Unbelievably, that's another story, but it's another story of resilience and not victim mentality. Um, and then we come back into the UK about 72 hours later and I start to communicate with friends and they start saying to me, you must be so angry. You must want to kill those beep, 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 beeps. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, oh, my God, I'm so bad because I don't I'm not angry. I haven't even thought about them. I, I, I haven't even thought about the fact that I'm that. And then as time went on, I thought, but actually, where where would anger get you? My daughter just needs to be surrounded by love, not an angry family environment. 
um, and his love that would get her through that, not anger. And they, they were irrelevant to me. They, they were irrelevant now. So I think that the thing is that that worked in my favor, mm-hmm. right? But so it, this is a very, extre- I'm very extreme. <laughs> I know I'm very extreme <laughs> with it, but it is who I am. And, and therefore um, business and why I've written the book, Business is Personal, business has been a challenge for me. Um, because coming through business in the 80s and 90s you know when it was you know very fierce aggressive behavior for ambition and success um, did make it a really hard hard place but what really gives me joy now is that business is shifting it really is massively shifting Mm you know if you look at what if you lots of people can come up mental health challenges as a leader what are the mental health challenges in my organization and how do I deal with them and it was really interesting talking to TJ this morning our son who works in that in that world and has lots of clients where he helps with mental health he said mum it is so interesting I have high exciting tech startups from around the world young people contacting me really excited to engage with me because they've seen me on Instagram or TikTok TikTok and asking, saying so excitedly about how can I help um, them compared to companies that are in traditional old fashioned professional organizations that come to me and tick want a tick box that, oh, we've got to sort out a mental health challenge. And he said it is so interesting. And I found that really fascinating the different motivations of the old versus the new. And the new know that passion, emotion, purpose, Mm -hmm. love, care, um, attachment to their staff, all these things have got to be their highest values in their organization. Mm. So what really excites me is there's this huge shift that is happening around us because my take on mental health is actually we all need to have a sense of belonging, a sense of attachment, a sense of love, a sense of self-worth, a sense of self-esteem. We need to remove fear from our job so that we can have people that will take risk and innovate and how do we you know how do we do that in a climate of remote working for example so for me the world's shifting towards community and the need for love Mm. um so i've had to wait a very long time (laughs) age 58 joining the business industry at 19 to start feeling the shift is happening um so so I've shared a little bit about my adversity, but yeah, there's been a lot of business adversity um, as well and a lot of financial adversity. And I suppose in summary, I get through it by somehow caring and being kind and loving myself and others around me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Penny. And that that was sounded like an incredibly intense experience um, for you yeah. as parents you and Thomas and and Hannah and um and and where you ended there was so powerful and I I think people might miss it um but it's something that I've been tuning into so much more you said you know you got through it by loving others and loving yourself uh, as well and I've been delving deeper and deeper into just the incredible importance of self-compassion, compassion for ourselves, kindness towards ourselves and kindness towards uh, others. Because if you take the situation that you 
explain it'd be so easy um, to beat ourselves up and say why did I get into this situation and why did I allow it happen and and uh, woe is me and and we do that in organizations that that could be oh you know why was that presentation terrible why is it my team that isn't thriving oh why is it that my industry that was impacted more by covid oh why is it so we can get into all of that and speaking to some of the, the hormones we're flooding ourselves with cortisol and, and increasing our uh, level of stress and and lowering our immune system and not realizing that we're doing that and yet amazingly just with the the compassion that you're describing there you you heal on the inside a lot quicker and uh, and move to a, a healthier place and so that that's really yeah it really is um, yeah so when I was listening to you, I was thinking you know I don't I can't wait I mean science is probably proving this science of the neurotransmitters all the stuff that TJ teaches around um all these um chemicals and neurotransmitters hormones etc um you know science is proving certain things now about us which is fantastic but we do all run at a different energy level um mm -hmm. a frequency and how that measured i don't know somebody must measure that <laughs> i don't know but there's got to be someone <laughs> you want to be in an organization that's in a high frequency organization not mm. a low frequency fear-based organization yeah, you, yeah if you if you're running at a high frequency i run at quite a high frequency which is why i think my mum used to say you fill a room she didn't run at my frequency. I was out of line mm, mm. In, a, as a, in a frequency. Um, and we, I think this organizations, you know, when I talked about what TJ said to me this morning, um, when I was, you know, these startups, are, they're excited. They're, they're running at a higher frequency mm. than, than the, these traditional fashion, turning the wheel, task-based mm. frequencies. Uh, and if you're running at a low frequency level, you're going to get low results. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so, but well, I'm not this, saying it's always easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is where I go back to what you were saying earlier on, just understanding your constitution, knowing yourself, knowing when it's working for you or against you. One of the things we, I mentioned this just before, uh, we started recording that one of my mantras is when life squeezes you and the pressure is on what you're like on the inside will come out and so you can put That's on a front true. about the frequency but when there are the shareholders are demanding you know customers are demanding the the board uh employees are demanding it will show what frequency you're at yeah and and if it's if it's working against you if it's not working for you as a leader you're listening to this what what advice would you have for how they begin to navigate to a healthier place and uh, well and make sure it's working for them i don't know whether people can pick some advice out of this i could talk from my own experience that when I came up with Academy in 1998, so I was 33. So Academy is known as the world's first social network. So if we take people back to there, there was no Friends Reunited. They came a year later. There was no LinkedIn. They came 
four years later, Facebook six years later. So we're talking really early on, a real mm. evangelistic experience of saying, wouldn't it be amazing if business owners connected as friends and supported each other and loved each other and showed each other they matter? Mm-hmm. What would that do for a business owner? So I suppose unknown to me, I was bringing wellness into the business world in a different way before wellness was really considered in 98. It was Thomas that set it on fire. He was, you know, I was at home with three kids under five. I was managing the community culturally. Thomas was spreading the word globally. Um, When I came up with the idea in 98, I had no ambition. I wasn't at a stage. Thomas was doing very well. I had stepped away from a leadership role in, in a large, relatively large company to be a great mum and to done a few different projects, but essentially my identity was a mummy. And um, Academy ended up being a, an awesome idea, okay? Uh, that wasn't because I was clever or strategic, it just was an awesome idea and was a forerunner to what you see now. But what you see now, what we were building was community. What you see now are networks. You don't, the community is an emotional word. You get a sense of trust, safety, psychological safety, love, support. It's a completely different environment to a network. And I'm not saying networks are wrong, um, but a network, when you go to a network, it's a different frequency. It's a different experience. It's a different outcome people look for. Um, We're building community. So we were building community and it was very much love. But when LinkedIn came in and then Facebook and things, Facebook obviously was building a social world, LinkedIn, a business world. They were building a different form of machine, definitely a different, and they've definitely become different forms of machines going forward. But we exploded. And I ended up, if you imagine, the, if you imagine the conveyor belt, imagine being, in, if you can, in an airport. I mean, a nice one, not ones that you're finding at the moment. Imagine <laughs> being in an airport. And there's a really fast conveyor belt where you absolutely have to strap on and poof, like that. Mm. Or there's the slow, calm one where nobody's walking past you fast or whatever. I was quite happy to be on that slow, calm. Sure. That was that would be right for me. Within three months of the idea, I suddenly was on this other one, Zoom. And that conveyor belt carried on for 14 years. So as a person who is cautious, risk averse, family orientated, I was torn to pieces by the experience however the impact we were having around the world was beautiful Mm. but the mechanics the machine the the energy that was required of me to never let my family down and at the same time have hundreds and thousands of members joining and speaking and the financial challenges of it I was on the wrong conveyor belt and I think that there comes a point in many of our lives that we've realized that something got us onto the wrong conveyor belt. Yeah, sure. And so what do you do at that point? Is it that you've got the wrong boss? Is it you're doing the wrong job? What do you do at that point? Yes, Mm -hmm. you have lots of, you know, you may have got into a very big leadership position and you've got kids at private school and two fantastic cars and an expensive house. This is the world that Thomas and I had. Mm -hmm. We were on that conveyor belt and we had that, that lifestyle. And effectively, we were killing ourselves to achieve the lifestyle and achieve this business. And it wasn't till 2018 when Thomas got bowel cancer. I had a hallucinogenic panic attack, which um, 
is a very, I didn't even realize that I had a mental health challenge. I'd never had a panic attack. I knew that I felt overwhelmed and I was rushing and I was, you know, having a lot of people to support both at home through some premature deaths that happened in our family, not my immediate family, my sister's daughter and my brother dying very young. So I knew that my mum had dementia. So I had all sorts of family challenges and all sorts of business expectations of me. So I had this panic attack, which Mm. is very scary. It's when your cortisol levels are just absolutely so out of control that you start to hallucinate. So when I went to the hospital, they thought I'd I'd been out having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Getting in touch with your younger self. (laughs) I thought I'd be having mushrooms. But, um, you know, I hadn't actually. I'd been delivering a talk to 40 people about build your business, build your personal brand. So it was quite the reverse, you know, when it happened. So, so 2018 was a big turning point for us where we both, Thomas and I, got a big, big warning signal. Thomas with his cancer, me with that, to say, you know, this conveyor belt you've both got yourself onto. Mm. Maybe we consider it. And that's when I wrote my book, Business is Personal. And I went to a psychologist and I started to unwrap all, all the ways that even though I wanted self-compassion, I was self-destructing. Sure. Um, because I was, um, you know, my constitution is to please people, to be a helper, to love people. I mean, you, it's just not possible to, to do as many people as I was trying to support. Um, people talk about compassion fatigue. I may have had that. I don't know. It sounds a bit sad, that, but there is such a thing as compassion fatigue. Um, and um, we have to take a very brave decision to step off that conveyor belt and create, have the consequences of that redesign our life and our business and that's what we did so yeah. i'm not saying to the leaders out there <laughs> give your p45 in oh, yeah. so what yeah. i am saying to them is how many people that you are relying on in your organization are feeling the way i felt sure. and you don't yeah. want them to pass the p45 in yes so what yeah. can you do to to prevent that, to yeah. stop that moment. Because the number of people that I talk to who leave their, have left companies and started up on their own because they experienced burnout. Sure. And so how can you prevent that? Um, and I suppose that's the only bit of advice I can give. If, you know, if you're on the wrong conveyor belt, what can you do to get it back yeah. on track? If you have put lots of staff on that conveyor yeah. belt, what can you do to make sure you don't lose them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's an important message. Um, burnout is, there's a, a statistic that I was looking at the other day that 60%, more than 60% of leaders get to the end of their day completely spent. And, and they're spent as in, yeah, I've given my best today and really excited about what we've done. And then they're spent, which is, I'm getting close to burnout. I feel like I'm on this conveyor belt and I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel and yeah, great, I'm going to go on, on holiday, but then you come back and you don't really switch off. You don't really renew. And, and that is challenging. And so as leaders, uh, a real responsibility to our people to say, how do we make sure that we're creating a great uh, environment that enables people to unplug from the matrix and run at a pace that is healthier for yeah, and, and the whole point of business is personal is 
some of them can run and want to run at that pace. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so don't take it away from them. Sure. Yeah. If they're, that, if they're success driven and they've got that constitution and their sense of self-worth comes from it, mm-hmm. that's great. But understand yeah. that you that everybody is different. That, that mm. you all, you know, the world is made up of a lot of different types of people. And there are phenomenal ways to be able to examine that working with coaches like yourself looking at these different forms of um, psychometric tools there's a lot of ways of discovering well what is the variable within our organization and how do we adapt to those people to get the most from them and also to ensure that we don't damage them yeah brilliant message that that there isn't one size fits all so this isn't about now creating a cookie cutter everyone go at a slow pace no it's just understanding as what's the most appropriate pace for us that keeps us sustained so I've I've got three boys you got three kids I've got three boys Uh, and one of my boys every single day is oh hey what are we doing what are we doing I mean he can just go at 90 miles an hour that's his uh, constitution at the moment I've got another uh, my second son who's not interested in going for for walks you know he's uh just you know wants to be at home hey let's have a good time let's play uh games so yeah there's a different constitution and figuring out a slow pace would absolutely um yeah. cripple my uh, older boy he just he'd go mental exactly and yet it's so it's knowing what's appropriate for for people and, and how can we have that respect for each individual's personality yeah. profile what they want uh, exactly yeah yeah i mean some people will be listening to this obi and thinking what a load of crap this woman's talking and some people will be saying i really get this mm. it, it, we resonate at different levels at different times you know when you've read this a same book twice with maybe a five-year different gap not a novel that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, the second time you read it, you get a completely different message from it because mm. you're resonating somehow in a different way. Your needs are different, mm. so you're hearing mm. different things. It's mm-hmm. um, So this might not be right to hear this for some people at this yeah. moment, and for others it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, my challenge to everyone that's listening, especially because this is about well listening and watching because this is for leaders it's you may feel this doesn't apply to you but do think about your teams do think about your people you want them to bring the best of their passion their motivation their energy if you're treating every single one of them the same and applying the same approach then you won't be getting the best out of them uh what does it mean to be a thriving organization people are giving their best and not they don't burn out at the end of the day so yeah really important to consider your 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 people um i heard a um just going back to some of the stuff at the beginning i heard when i was going through probably others were aware that i wasn't right but i hadn't yet realized i wasn't about a year before that hallucinogenic panic attack i was working in a business that i'd started that had really horrible horrible that's the wrong word to use very challenging shareholders and the operations director that we employed he and I became really close and we worked mostly together on the business digital youth academy was called helping youths back into employment by a apprenticeship that we created in digital marketing and um, we were on a journey up to see a further education college and he said 
you're definitely not as happy as you were when I first met you. And I said, no, I'm not Russell. His name's Russell. I'm not. It's, I'm finding this a real challenge. Um, we're on different paths, the shareholders and me. And um, he said that he had listened to a documentary on telly about happiness. And he said, uh, they said that happiness was made in three things, three parts. The first is your constitution. So that's 50%. What is your constitution? Are you naturally happy? And if you don't, can't say, I'm actually naturally happy. If, 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 it's, if your unhappiness is not affected by things, it's actually humming from within, then you, that's something you need to sort out. But that's 50%. 10% is the achievement of things you want, which is never going to be satisfied because as soon as you want it, you want something else. Because that's yeah. why, you know, as Maslow says, we're wanting creatures. That's why we innovate, change and move yeah. forward and progress all the time. But 40% is how much control you feel you have over your life and decisions. Wow. And it really, that's when I decided to sell the business, <laughs> literally in that moment, because I was never going to get back control and I had lost control. And that meant my happiness was dropped by, by 40% and I could never get it back. And so, you know, how do we get back control if, if outside forces are controlling us? Yes. Um, and that is a big question for us to really consider personally. You know, mm. what is it that, you know, is it my workload? I'm out of control with it. Have I just not being assertive enough to be able to say to my team, I'm overwhelmed. Um, I, I can't deal with this amount of work. Um, you know, is it that you're out of control because you don't believe in the values of the life that you're living? You know, you're out of control because your finances are just controlling you. Yeah. What is it that's controlling you? Because whatever it is, you need to get that control back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about that is I think it also goes back to what you were saying at the beginning just with that presence and being aware of what is it controlling me what's going on yeah. here because it, it's easy and I I find this as well it's so easy to focus on the externals it's um, what's going on in the market how's the business doing how my my team doing what's how's the change in um PM going to impact me and, and we're just focused on what, what are the targets what are the deadlines we're focused on the externals and not always in tune with hey, what's going on inside me where am I feeling out of control and where can I take back that um, responsibility and, and that yeah. sense of agency that I have over it so that example you gave it's you somebody said I'm going to sell the business yeah. I, I don't I don't have to do this. Now that's not always the answer, you know, there may have no. been others, but but you realize I I can make a choice here. And that's the critical thing. Make a choice that is best for me, best for my family, yeah. best for my team, um, whatever. And once the, you know it, once you've identified it, A, you're you've probably got five percent back. Mm. And then once you create your plan, you're you're chipping away at it. So it might have taken 18 months to sell the business. Sure. But the day I decided, I started feeling better. Mm, wow. Yes. Yeah. So it might take an elegant level of execution to get to where you need to get to um, on it. Um, but, you know, we are controlled. When I look at Thomas, you know, and I, we had all sorts of trappings around us that were controlling us, that 
um, you know, the cost of our lives was controlling us sure. and was forcing us to live a much more stressful life than we wanted to live. And, you know, we are going into challenging economic environments now. And it's going to, some people are going to have to let go of some of these things that actually, once they do, they're going to feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah. You know, the big house, the expensive diesel car, the, these things, you know, it's painful. It's painful. Yeah. And it's, you know, you have to then look at, is it my ego? What is it? What it where is the pain? yeah 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 and and am i and i heard this lovely saying from somebody it was actually i'm trying to think what it was on telly i think it was no no it wasn't it was at a speech i was at another speaker said my um my self-worth is not dependent on your opinion of me mm-hmm. and i love that that that's powerful that's freeing it's very freeing. Yeah. We do attach our self-worth to people's opinions of us. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's very freeing and very yeah. liberating when you start yeah. thinking, I'm going to take back control of my life. Yeah. It's personal to me. And I am not going to da- let my self-worth be damaged by people's opinions of me because I'm not driving such a fantastic car or I'm not living in such a fantastic house. Because those things were damaging your freedom and your experience of life yeah yeah so two really important questions to lead people to think about as as leaders you're watching you're listening to this what is controlling you or what is controlling you is it your trappings is it your achievements is what's your self-worth linked to is it the opinions of others is it uh, what you have done, what you've uh, achieved, because if those things are taken away, then what are you left with? Uh, and that's really what we have most of the time. So something for people to uh, think about as we wrap up. I, I want to thank you, Penny, just for all you shared. So much great focus on knowing yourself, knowing your constitution, uh, being aware of, hey, what what is it that I'm doing that might be causing me self-destruction rather than actually enabling me and moving me uh, forward? So I love that. I want to end with one question, just going back to, it's one of my favorite questions to end with. Um, So if we could go back to your younger self, uh, given all the, the journey that you've been on, especially as, as a leader, what would you, what one piece of advice would you give to your younger self, given all that you know now? Um, I would actually, I would actually say to my younger self, your, what are perceived as your weaknesses are actually your superpower. Mm, lovely. I'd probably say that um, mm. because you have to make what other people's opinions of you that make you unique Mm. can be your superpower Mm -hmm. wow that uh, that speaks to me on so many levels especially because it means that you find a sense of comfort with yourself a sense of joy and a peace with yourself so much early on and that's what i think enables you to (laughs) operate at that wonderfully high frequency uh, more of the time so 
Great message, great message. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for such wonderful chat. And no, uh, thank, I, I've written thank loads you. of your wisdom there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, and vice versa. So it's been, uh, it's been wonderful, really has, to, to have you on so the much. show. Uh, to all our listeners and viewers, I hope you joined enjoyed that i hope you were taking notes as well and, and some great questions to reflect on and remember that if you want to be a courageous and resilient leader if you want to live life on purpose and with purpose then it starts from the inside out so have a great day and see you on the next show and thanks again for joining today penny thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.